Hello and welcome to the Eurotrips podcast. I am your host Andy and once again we are here to talk all things European football. I am joined by our series regulars Alex, Naeem and Ryan. How are you boys? When Andy off camera said he's got a funny intro that's not what I was expecting. I, was, I liked that, that was good. <laughs> well I thought I'd honour the um, you know um, last night's win. I thought I'd... Um, yeah, Tri- tribute to them, the man himself. I thought I'd um, start off <laughs> I mean, with a little tribute. So, um, yeah, how are you, boys? Good, thank yeah. you. It was, it was a great trib- tribute to Marouane Chamat, to be fair. <laughs> oh, them two don't, don't deserve to be in the same breath. Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good, mate. Good to hear. And what about you, Alex? You all good? Yeah, I'm all good. All good, thank you. All good. Yeah. I saw your little... Um, still, was it on Chelsea, some Chelsea fan channel? Is that, is that right, this week? Was it last week? Uh yeah, I now have to get the right name right, otherwise I'll be I'll be. <laughs> was it was it wait, wait, wait was it GNA TV? I can't just you can't remember now what the channel was. Uh, I remember just I was I was on GNA TV. That was the well, I have to clarify that is a a neutral channel, but um mm. there are plenty of Chelsea channels available I've featured on, namely yeah. Carefree Lewis and Lawrence Scully. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, thank you. Well spotted, thank you. But yeah, obviously, if any of you are listening and know Alex's work on Twitter, you'll know he's got a YouTube channel where he's putting sort of recent videos up. So if anyone wants to check out his his stuff, um, it's just the Euro Expert on YouTube. So this week, once again, we'll all be rounding up our individual leagues we focus on. But as well, we all we all are we are all going to focus on one team in particular and just either praise or criticise them uh, and go into depth about each um, one team each. So. Once again, we go back to the um, imaginary hat, and I'm going to pick out the first league we're going to talk about. So, without further ado, and it is um, Ryan and Italian football Serie A. So, Ryan, um, go for it. Yeah, sweet. So, I'll round up the the weekend's result and the week results quickly first. Uh, over the previous weekend. It was we had some massive results again, a very big goal scoring weekend, which saw Napoli four one winners away to Spezia. Inter Milan scored five at home to Sampdoria with Alexis Sanchez getting two. Fiorentina also got a massive win at home to Lazio, pretty much ending their Champions League hopes for the season. And then looking further down, Roma were surprisingly uh, massive winners over Crotone. Obviously, Crotone are down, but they won 5 0 at home. Uh, but the biggest result of the weekend was AC Milan, who you know, had a massive, massive result away to Juventus. 3 0 winners in a really good performance. And that was a massive shock, I think, especially for myself, because Milan were in a bit of a bit of a rut. You know, it looked like the wheels were starting to come off, but they pulled that one right out of the bag. And Ultimately, it's a big result for them. Uh, moving on to the week weekday results. Again, Napoli managed to score well, well over four goals. They got five at home to Udinese. Five different goal scorers in that game for them. Uh, Wednesday saw Atlanta get a 2-0 win at home to Benevento. Lazio got a 1-0 win at Parma. Juventus, with probably the result of the weekday match days uh, they got free away to Sassuolo and Sassuolo were on a seven game unbeaten run up until that point they were the most informed team in Italian football uh, they were 2-1 up at one point but then Tabala scored a, a really nice goal that ended that game um, and then Milan again away to Torino scored seven with uh, Antti Rebic getting a hat-trick They've really now hit these uh, these last few games running really well. And ultimately, with the table, it looks like, for me, Atalanta and AC Milan will both qualify for the Champions League now. But for me, the fourth place is now up for grabs between Napoli and Juventus. Uh, 73 points for Napoli, 72 for Juve. So, obviously, the one point in it with two games to go could go either way. Uh, as I said before, Lazio are pretty much now out of it. Uh, in regards for the Europa Conference place, Roma and Sassuolo are only two points separated there, so that's all to play for as well. And in terms of relegation, that's pretty much done and dusted now. Obviously, Palmer and Cotone were down a long time ago, but Benevento 
were slightly holding on, but they're now four points behind Spezia with just two games remaining. So it looks sort of doomed for them. Uh, and then really sort of just to end it with the Serie A news, Juventus are being threatened with being kicked out of the Italian football in general if they do not withdraw from the Super League. Uh, and I think that is a very credible threat as well from the Italian FA. Um, Lazio's uh, Inzaghi is being linked with the Spurs job and the Juventus job for the work he's done with Lazio. Would be an interesting signing for either of those clubs. Uh, the living legend Gigi Buffon will leave Juventus again at the end of the season. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it's just, it's just he's going to leave Juventus in brackets again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the last bit of transfer news is uh, Manuel Locatelli. Uh, I see Alex, who's done a little piece on him. Uh, he's being linked with Man City and PSG quite heavily. And mm. I watched the Swallow game against Juventus and uh, as well as other games for Swallow, Swallow this season. And he does look a proper talent. I mean, he was at AC Milan before that, but he sort of rejuvenated himself and I could see him fitting in very well at both of those clubs and it wouldn't shock me if he, went, if he went so, there. But Ryan, the, um, just as, uh, sorry, Andy, I just got a quick question for Ryan. It's a really horrible question. It's, I want a one-word answer, Ryan. Because, see, I watched... Um, Milan Juve last weekend and um I like Juventus Juventus were about uh, as threatening as like a deflating balloon so mm. I wanted to ask you <laughs> a one word one word question one word answer um you're an Arsenal fan right mm. who do you take as manager of Arsenal Andrea Pirlo or Avram Grant <laughs> probably just Pirlo because he looked better he would look better on the touchline <laughs> You've handled that extremely well, go on, Andy. <laughs> no, I, I actually think I'd, I'd take Avon Grant purely because he's got the only experience of reaching a Champions League final. But um, I've literally forgot that's thrown me off my point now. You, you've literally thrown me off my point. <laughs> no, that, that's it, yeah. The, uh, oh, God. No, the um, Inzaghi, is that the one who AC Milan's trial or is that his brother, the one who's Lazio manager? Um, it's his brother. Ah, uh, okay. I was going to say that if it was the. Indian Zaggy, I don't think after he broke my heart in 2007, I don't think I'd want to see him back again in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, well, obviously, Filippo uh, Inzaghi is at Benevento, but yes, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's Simeon Inzaghi at Lazio, so it does sometimes cause a bit of confusion. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the the results, that's that's really it. I mean, there's some massive games at the weekend. Juventus are at home to Inter Milan, so that's. No, that's crunch time for them. That's a game that they have to win. As I say, it's not in their hands anyway to qualify. If Napoli win their games, then it's you know it's all over for them. Um, and obviously, we have the Rome derby as well. Lazio against Roma. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, there's not many other big sort of big games to really focus on. It's, it's amazing. You think about all the leagues in Europe. Right? You got obviously last season the champions were. Obviously, PSG, Juventus, Bayern, and Liverpool, and three of those four aren't good. Well, Juventus aren't winning the Italian league. We certainly aren't winning the Premier League, and there's a chance PSG might not. So I think it's it's really interesting how like quite a lot of the champions in that season, even in Portugal, it's not even. It's, I mean, it's Lisbon's first league title since 2002-2003. Mm. So it's interesting how all these lot of these teams have just not not retained it this year. <laughs> It is, and like I say, I think a lot of that has to go down to the fact that they've got an inexperienced manager in Pirlo for for Juventus. But for me, they haven't they haven't got a balance to their team. I think they're in that kind of mode where they don't know whether just to build the whole team around Ronaldo or not, and they're not willing to sort of make either decision, in my opinion. And they're they're just overloaded as well with players, especially in midfield. And yeah, I think for me, they was always going to sign Ramsey and uh, Rabiot just to try and sell them one a year or two later just to make a transfer fee because neither of, neither of them look you know at place in that Juventus team. So but both would be great signings I think for any other European club. Yeah, and they, I mean no no team in Europe loves a free transfer more than Juventus. I think over the years people like even Perlo back in the day, I mean how many times they bought a player on a free it 
they they are the kings of, of buying these three players. That's it, and like I say, I mean, for me, the only free transfer that I've seen so far in my lifetime not work out is Willian. So, right, moving on to the next leak. Um, once again, I'm going to get the hat out and let's see who we get. And it is uh, Francais and French football. So, Alex, take it away. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, Ligue 1 is... Uh, it was, it's, mm. I must say, I was, I was a bit more excited by Serie A last week. But in Ligue 1, there's not, not too much changing in terms of the, 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 the league roundup. There was no midweek fixtures apart from the Coupe de France, which confirmed Monaco and PSG would be facing each other in the final. And um, that's just basically the French equivalent of an FA Cup. Interesting fans. They actually binned off their version of the League Cup. So, um, yeah, uh, English FA, that is possible. You can do that. It isn't needed. Um, anyway. All uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is needed. I, I, I like the League Cup. It is needed for the time. It isn't needed for the lower teams. It is needed. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. But, um, yeah, Lille stormed ahead still. They're, they're three points clear. I think there was one big story. It's that Ren drew with PSG. But I'm going to speak more about PSG later on in the podcast. But I think the big story from this weekend was more... Uh, Burak Yilmaz has actually... It, like, it's not even... It's not even a joke or a meme anymore. He is actually one of the best strikers in Europe. 35-year-old Burak was. He was probably the striker of the weekend. Uh, that scoring. goal. Yeah, an absolute thunderbolt against Lons. There's there was a lot of a lot of jokes made about the keeper because the keeper does get made to look bad, but it is mm. like the shot is ridiculous, and I do for Lecker. I, I do think. It was pretty tough. Just as a quick word on the relegation thing, just to keep it quick, I guess, is that Nantes are now one point off Lorient. Uh, another thing in Liga, and they do something different to the Premier League, they have a, a relegation playoff spot, which I, I mm. quite quite like in a way. But I feel like I, I, at the same time in Liga 2, the, the second tier, they still do a playoff. So imagine if Brentford win the playoff in the Championship, then they have to play against Fulham still to get into the Premier League. It is a bit, it's a bit ropey, but interesting thing there. So it's still, it, it's looking like it's going to be a battle between Nantes and newly promoted Lorient to stay up. Uh, I'm not going to Lorient because they're not interesting apart from two players, Terra Moffi, keep an eye out for him, and any Chelsea fans listening. Trevor Chalabar is uh, having a good season at Lorient, just as a. Uh, mm. Just as a little reminder there, I guess the final bit of news topic in France is that there are reports, thank God, that Christophe Galtier is looking at Premier League clubs and that at least there's something to counterbalance for Maurizio Romano's midweek points or last week points that he was seriously considering a proposal for Nice, um, which to give a Premier League equivalent is like it is like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer winning the League of United and then saying... Really fancy a move to Southampton, actually. It's just it's just a bit... It would be weird if he went to Nice. So hopefully Gaultier, if he does leave Lille in the summer, takes a good look at Arsenal and Tottenham because he would do wonders with them. Mm. Mm. But yeah, th- thank you, um, Alex. No problem. Um, oh, no problem. I, didn't, I didn't do the buddy thing, did I? The, the, the swift moving on thing. We'll, we'll, we'll cut that bit out. It's fine. Go for it. Right. So the next league, uh, thank you, Alex, for your input there. The next league, um, we'll find out who that is now. So it's uh, my turn. It's, it's turn of the Premier League. So um, obviously Premier League now is getting to sort of crunch time. Um, obviously with relegation, uh, Fulham and West Brom confirm their relegation. Uh, and they will both be joining Sheffield United in the Championship next season. Of course, top of the table, Man City were finally crowned champions uh, after they missed two two different occasions of winning the league when they both lost to Chelsea and when Man United lost to Leicester on the Tuesday night. Um, I alluded to to it earlier on in the podcast, but Liverpool got got a great away win at Manchester United last night in a thrilling game at Old Trafford for a neutral, a uh, 4-2 win away from home. Um, obviously Nat Phillips got the own goal before um, Liverpool took a lead with Jota and then Firmino twice before uh, Rashford got a goal back which made myself many Liverpool fans um, crap it in, um, in one of a few words and then finally towards the end <laughs> Mo, Mo, Mo Salah got the um, got the all-important goal that, that sealed victory 
and got Jurgen Klopp's first ever win at Old Trafford as a manager. Um, top four, at least interesting. Of course, Chelsea lost to Arsenal, which pleased um, Naeem and Ryan in, in his podcast after um, Jorginho's wonderful assist to Arsenal, which gave Smith Rowe the only goal of the game. And in terms of top four, it's very interesting now with Liverpool, uh, Chelsea and Leicester all fighting out for that final two Champions League spots with West Ham and Spurs as the outsiders. The um, next game week has already started with Manchester City and New- Newcastle currently playing. Uh, it's currently 2-2 with... Um, Wait, what? Emil- yeah, currently is. I think Emil Kraft got the opener. Jao Cancelo and Ferran Torres have scored before a penalty from Joe Linton. But I will say, Man City's bench has Phil Foden, the Port, John Stones, Mares, and Ruben Diaz, and Scott Carson is starting in goal. So <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a bit like when you um, don't advise for your GCSE exam and you, and you get a because um, he's obviously pictured in the Guard of Honour that Newcastle <laughs> gave today. So, um, so yeah, he's. I don't know how he's managed that. Just as a, a side fact on Newcastle, because I was looking, I, I did a data study this week actually uh-huh, yeah, yeah. on um, expected. Basically, uh, I'm not going to go too much into expected goals because I'm aware, like people can get confused by it easily, and the time to explain it's another time. But basically, I looked at a metric and created one which measures how often a team creates good chances. So it was like. Um, on average 14% of West Ham shots um, are are likely to go in or on average West Ham's shots are 14% likely to go in right so which was the highest in the Premier League Chelsea were quite low on West Brom basically long and short of it is Newcastle are surprisingly high they're not the top seven in the Premier League for creating high quality chances which was really weird I just wanted to throw it out there because obviously Bruce has just got manager of the month and they've got a horrible reputation for like playing dull football. But fair enough to him. His team are actually creating some of the best chances in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think with Newcastle, I think that they got three really good players, I think, in Almiron, Maximum and Callum Wilson. But I think, uh, apart from that, I don't think their squad's too great. But I do think with, with those three in their squad, I think they can definitely beat, beat a lot of teams. I think with, as long as those three are fit and firing, I think that Newcastle have got... the sort of three players that they can really build on. And I think, yeah. um, I don't think Steve Bruce, I think Steve Bruce should, should be there. I think he, maybe they should look at someone else being in charge, but I do think as long as they have, they keep those three players, I think anything is possible. As long as they get the other players around them, right. And the manager, I think certain Newcastle can be a team to look, watch out in the fall in the future, but sadly it is Newcastle and they've had years and years of disappointment. So I don't really back them to do much next season, mm-hmm. but you, you never know. Do you? You never know. Yeah. Just a quick thing on that as well. If they, I, they, I think they want to keep Joe Willock as well. And yeah. I mean, we gave him plenty of chances this season, and he didn't do too much. And he has thrived at Newcastle. So uh, I think the best thing for Arsenal to do would be to let him go out on loan again to Newcastle for another season. I don't wouldn't want to see him go permanently because there is a player in there, as we've seen. But yeah, yeah I, I think if they had Willock. Maximan, uh, Almiron and Callum Wilson. I mean, Callum Wilson has been missing most of the season. I think if they had had him in fit, you know, scoring goals all season, they would be a lot, lot higher than what, you know, they are. Because Joel Linton's, you know, just dreadful, really. So, I mean, he has scored 12 goals in 26 games. I think Callum Wilson has, for a lot of time this season, has been there. But I do think injuries have been... Apart mm. for a few years now with Callum Wilson, he's had a few injuries at Bournemouth as well. So I do think that could be an issue in the future. But I don't know what you think, Naeem. Do you think, um, would, would you keep with it permit? Would you send him out alone again? Or would you look to um, maybe play him more next season? What do you think? Um, if the price is right, I'd, I'd sell him, to be fair, because he ain't really done... I, I know he hasn't really haven't gotten, gotten the chances with us in recent seasons, but yeah, I'd get rid of him. We need, we need better, better than him if, we're, if we want to try and... Um, just like that table next season. Mm. Well, he is a mm. decent goal scorer, but I think Newcastle's more of his, more more of his level. And if, if they want to put a twenty million pound bid in for him, I'll take it if I was them. Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, you think obviously with Arsenal liking now not to get European football unless the obviously the results go away in the next couple of games. Obviously, that might be hard to attract players. So maybe um, rather than obviously trying to find these players that may not want to come to Arsenal, maybe. You could look at like people like Martinelli as well, maybe building on these youngsters. So you've got some good youngsters in the squad, like Saka, Martinelli, 
um, Smith Rowe, for example. There's three players I can think of top of my head. And I do think maybe you could give youth a chance rather than trying to, you know, trying to find players that maybe aren't the right fit. Maybe do get maybe do give these youngsters a chance, especially in things like League Cup, FA Cup and Premier League. I do think there's definitely a chance for these players to, you know, make, make a breakthrough for Arsenal. Mm. And swifting on finally to our to our last league, and by process of elimination, uh, the only league left standing is going to be the La Liga title race and relegation. So, uh, our resident Spanish expert is Mr. Naeem Page. So, take it away. Yeah, so it was another exciting weekend of Spanish football, which saw the teams in the top four playing each other. The first game we saw was on Saturday, which saw Barcelona at home to Atletico Madrid. They played out a nil-nil draw, uh, with each e- either side having their fair share of chances. Probably the man of the matches were probably Stegen and Oblak with the save they uh, made, and they was in fine form in the afternoon. Uh, in the other big game on Sunday, saw Real Madrid t- draw 2-2 with Sevilla. Eden Hazard got an injury time equaliser after Tony Cruz's shot took a deflection off the Belgium. Like he didn't, he didn't really know what happened, and yeah, it just kind of just deflected right into the goal. So yeah, they got two-two with two-two draw there. Sorry. Uh, so not much changed at the top of the table with all four teams dropping points um, with, with their draws. But elsewhere down at the bottom of the table, Elche lost two-nil away to Real Sociedad last Friday. Wesker lost 2-1 to Cadiz, and Ibar got a 1-0 away win to Getafe. And during the week, we had another uh, round of fixtures. On Tuesday, Barcelona missed their opportunity to go top of the table momentarily, momentarily until the other teams in the top four played. They went 2-0 up in the first half against Levante, but they managed to get two goals back in the second half. Then Bele made a 3-2, but with seven minutes to go, Sergio Leon made a 3-3, and Barcelona, they couldn't find a fourth goal um, because of that. The next day, we saw Sevilla got a 1-0 win against 14th place Valencia. Elsewhere, the league leaders, Atletico Madrid, they got a 2-1 win against Real Sociedad, who um, they're currently occupying the Europa League spots. Real Madrid yesterday got a 4-1 win against Granada. Uh, the results at the top of the table mean that Atletico Madrid, they remain two points in front of Real Madrid. Still, Barcelona now Atletico Madrid four points, and Sevilla in fourth place are six points uh, from top. So their slim chances of winning the league are all but gone pretty much now. And uh, lastly, down at the bottom of the table, uh, Ibar got a 1-1 draw against Real Betis after going 1-0 down in the first half. This draw now puts them three points uh, three points from safety. When a few weeks ago, they were 10 points adrift. Uh, and if you remember, I've, I've pretty much said that they didn't have a chance of pretty much staying up. But they have been unbeaten in the last three games, uh, winning two and drawing one. Uh, meanwhile, Elche, they lost 2-0 to Deportivo and Huesca. They shockingly got a 1-0 win against Atletico Bilbao um, with Atletico Bilbao if you remember they got victories over Atletico Madrid and Sevilla so um, that 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 win was pretty shocking but um, that win actually takes them out of the relegation zone momentarily so yeah that's what's going on at the top of the bottom of the tables um, currently so they've got two games left to play and yeah we'll see what happens then but Atletico Madrid I still reckon they'll still they'll still win it I can't see them bottling it, bottling it now or dropping points They've got a bit of an easier running compared to the other uh, two teams, so yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think personally, I think there, I think Madrid, one team, I think can do it, but I think overall, I think let's go. I think it's it's within touching distance, and I think I think it's definitely theirs to lose. Well, yeah, um, Real Madrid, they've they've got they've got um, they've got Villarreal next week, mm. uh, last game of the season. Uh, Villarreal, they're currently in the UEFA Conference League spots, but they are level on points with Real Betis for 55 points, so they can still get Europa League um, because only, like I said, they're level on points, but it's obviously because of goal difference uh, that that they're obviously still seventh. And Real Madrid, they've got yeah, they've got to play uh, Real Valladolid, um, and obviously they've dropped down into the relegation zone now um, after Huesca's win, so they're two points from safety themselves. Well, yeah, Ibar and Elche, they're still they're both on thirty points. Um, so yeah, they're still, they're three points from safety. So yeah, I think it'll go down to the last day with the relegation because obviously mm. no teams have been relegated yet. 
Yeah, that could be really interesting, couldn't it? But yeah, so now we're going to go back back to Ryan again, uh, back to Italian football. Um, obviously, as I said at the start of the podcast, that we are going to have each member, each member of the podcast detail a team from each league and sort of either praise them or criticise them. Uh, and so, yeah, th- let's start with you, Ryan. Uh, who's your team and tell me more about it? Yeah, so this week, my team in focus is AC Milan. It was pretty. It was a pretty easy decision to be honest, because they've they were probably the most known team in Italian football anyway, and just their sort of story over the last sort of ten years, especially. And for me personally as well, they have they have such a a similar sort of background to Arsenal as well, and the way that they've been managed as well in the last few years. It's very similar to Arsenal as well. So, yeah, that's my team this week. And Alex? My team is... Uh, I've gone down a similar route. Of um, I was tempted to go sort of niche. Wanted to, I was thinking about covering Le Havre in France. They've, they're the team that Pogba has come through. Maybe Paris, uh, Paris FC where Conte has come through. Maybe I'm going to look at Bordeaux, the financial crisis there. Um, instead, I've been a bit boring. Um, I'm covering PSG. Right. Tell me more. <laughs> but, uh, well, basically, what I want to go into um, is that... They, obviously, we've, we've focused a lot on Lille in uh, Ligue 1 and Halloween. But PSG, they are... They, and Pochettino specifically, it's more about him. He's got quite a massive career-defining year ahead of him. Because he's going probably going to lose Ligue 1 as it stands. He's only transit a trophy to the Coupe de France this, this season. If he doesn't win a league or a Champions League next year then that could be Poch's reputation pretty far in the mud. Yeah, and I think, um, obviously, you know, obviously these owners, they're, they're desperate to win the Champions League. They're desperate to sort of, you know, that's, that's the thing they've all been looking for. And I think that, um, I think he certainly is in danger, I think, personally, of, of getting the sack. Because I think, you know, how sort of, they're not afraid to get rid of these managers. They've had quite a lot of managers since they took over the club. So I do think, um, you know, I do think that, he is in danger of that. Obviously, any manager who gets really gets sacked from a club that can certainly affect their CV definitely because that'll always be in the back of the minds of a lot of fans, a lot of teams who do hire this manager in the future. They'll always think, "Oh, he did get fired at so and so." So, yeah, I think he definitely is in danger. I think he definitely is in danger, especially if they don't win the Champions League and the French League. But if both of them haven't been won, I think de- definitely. I don't know what you boys think. Yeah, for me, yes. As you say, he's taken over sort of mid-season, so it's, it's always hard to judge a manager on that. You'd like to think with it, if he has a summer window, see what they do in the transfer window, see who they can bring in, who they can ship out. But I personally think that whatever happens, they'll give him another season just because it, I don't know. Who yeah, yeah they're definitely, the argument isn't that um, they'll sack him this year, definitely not. But I think it's more that the next year, like for preparing for the next season now, like on the back of this one, that's where the difficulty is coming in. Because if if we're if we're sitting here in a year's time, and we're saying, oh, they've they look like they're not going to win league early again, and they went out in the quarterfinals to the Champions League, mm. then that would be that like Poch has gone to the team. Obviously, not to go too much into it at the moment. Poch has gone into the team where he has the best chance in Europe of winning either a title or a Champions League, and if he doesn't do it here, that's bad. Oh, without doubt, you know you'd 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 wonder where he'd kind of go then from yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I I got a little little um, you know, actually no, think about that. And then maybe he wouldn't go back to us. But I thought maybe you know, his Spurs looking for manager, and if they did sack him in the summer, maybe Spurs would come back for him. But then I I just can't see him going back to Spurs personally. I don't think. Yeah, and, he, and, and he, his job is definitely safer now. Like he's probably safe for the next sort of few months because even if he loses the Coupe de France, the PSG man, PSG hierarchy, they're quite. They're not like obviously they're quite ruthless, but they're not Abramovich levels. They're no. not like they're not like kid with a red button. They're a bit mm. more like, oh, we'll listen to you. Like even Tuchel, they hated him for about four months and they still kept him. 
So basically, yeah. they, they aren't they aren't Watford, basically, which is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's actually a really good way of summing up, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's sort of the benchmark, isn't it, for um, cutthroat, cutthroat owners? Yeah. They're sort of the the prime example of it. Um, apologies, I have to make an apology. I did sort of forget to actually allow Ryan to carry on speaking about <laughs> AC Milan. So I'll, I'll let you go back to it, Ryan. I'll let you um, talk more about AC Milan. Yeah, no, um, I've got a little in-depth analysis of of Milan. Obviously, we know that they've got a fine history. And as I mentioned a minute ago, the last 10 years haven't been kind to the club. Uh, I mentioned that they're very similar to Arsenal. Both have pr- histories that they can be proud of, but both clubs have been you know, massively mismanaged uh, over the last few years. They've made poor decisions both on and off the pitch. And that's what's led them to the situations they're in now. But Milan are further ahead in their rebuild. For me, they've got a very good manager in uh, Stefano Pioli. And another key point is that they have two club legends in the background in Paolo Maldini as the technical director and uh, Franco Bralesi as vice chairman. So, it's always good to have these kind of people at the club who know the club and they know what the club stands for. And that for me, that was good decisions on their part to have there. They've also got even Gazidas, but his name doesn't go down well with us Arsenal fans. Um, but yeah, like I said, they've gone through the last uh, 10 years with 10 different managers. And it seems as though they've now stabilised with Pioli. And I like that as well. I like how he plays football as well and has it, how he sets his teams up. So for me, they've got a good manager there and I think that they'll have him for the long run. Uh, in terms of their playing squad, they've got a superb balance at the moment between youth and experience. Obviously, the experience, you know, such as Ibrahimovic, Mario Mandzukic, uh, Simon Kajar, I mean, they're, they're the kind of names that offer invaluable experience to the club in general not just for the youngsters but in terms of their youngsters they're absolutely stacked with talent you look at Daniel Maldini uh, Pierre Kalulu Sandro Tonelli uh, Jens Pizza Haug or how have you pronounced his name uh, Rafael Liao Gigi Donnarumma obviously but who don't know for how much longer uh, Tamori from Chelsea Ben Assar, mm. a former Arsenal player himself and most notably, uh, Theo Hernandez, who's been so impressive since he joined from Real Madrid. And I think Real Madrid will be kicking themselves that they sold him because he's such a talent. For me, he's one of the best left-backs in football already, never mind in a couple of years' time. He's he's just got everything about him. He, he bombs forward, he gets back. And, yeah, I like him a lot. But, as I say, that transfer business has just been excellent, uh, especially last year. They brought in... Obviously, Tamori, uh, Brahim Diaz, uh, Diogo Dalot, Tenali and Meteor, all on loan deals. But most of them have got options to make them permanent deals as well. And it's great business because they're bringing in top quality youngsters who have and haven't been given enough chances by their parent clubs. And you look at them now, they're, they're all flourishing at Milan. They're all getting regular game time. And... That just shows where they've got to now, especially bringing in Rebic and Ibrahimovic. As I said, they bought Ibra on a free transfer. Rebic only cost about three or four million, but he's very versatile. He can play up front, on the left, on the right, and he's come up with big goals in big games. But in terms of departures as well, they've got rid of a lot of dead wood, and that's helped trim the squad down to a good size, as well as trimming their wage but. Uh, budget down again something that they're now ahead of Arsenal hopefully will, this summer will do something similar but yeah with a, you know they had a strong start to the season they looked like genuine title challengers but ultimately they kind of slipped away and it looked like at one stage they were going to miss out on Champions League football together but as I mentioned earlier they've had two massive results within the space of a week now almost guaranteeing themselves a spot in next year's Champions League which obviously in terms of a performance perspective is brilliant, but in terms of the kind of players that they're going to be able to attract, it helps them no end. And if they can keep hold 
of some of the players that they brought in on loan, as well as maybe bolstering a couple of positions. Obviously, they've already got Ibrahimovic for next season as well. Then, for me, they're total challenges for next season, for sure. Yeah, I think eight and nine are definitely one of these historic clubs that are just... I think the Champions League is just a better thing, with better tournament with a club like Asian Man involved. I do think the history, also I know the San Siro is getting knocked down, but mm-hmm. I do think the history of the club. I think, I think they, 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 they I think they, it's simple that they, they be back in Champions League, Champions League really. So I do think, um, yeah, it is imp- I think they're one of the clubs that just have to be, you know, have to be involved. Yeah, they are. I mean, that's again, that's why I suppose that they were one of the clubs. For the Super League, you know, the, mm. lately, lately, like Arsenal, they haven't had a good time, but they are one of the historic clubs. They have a massive fan base. They're in Milan, mm. one of the, you know, you know, central places within the world, mm. and they're just they're just a club that they still attract big names without European football. So, yeah. It's a um, good night out as well, Milan. I, I can say that from experience. If there anyone who wants to go travelling in Italy, do go Milan for a night out. You have a good time. See, I, I, I have to disagree on that point because I've, I've been to Milan as well myself and I don't know if it was just in the wrong place or, or, or what it was, but it was very boring in my opinion. But Ooh. I mean, where I went, it was £13 for a single a single vodka shot. So I think that... Oh, very we, expensive. We, we, yeah, I mean, we didn't buy any drinks <laughs> in there, but... Place called Chari Vary. Any of you want to go there? Do check it out. Um, but I think if you look at AC Milan, things like obviously Baresi, Maldini, Nesta, Kaka, Ronaldinho, Inzaghi, back to Inzaghi, uh, Kaka, all, all these players they've had in the past. I think they, they've just been historically over the years had these amazing players. Oh, they do. They just they just have you know legends upon legends upon legends throughout that club, and you know, they'll always be a big club. Doesn't matter if they. You know, went down to Serie B, Serie C. You know, mm. they'll always be massive. So, yeah, no, definitely. Right. So now it's turn of my my team. I want to focus on, and um, that team is West Ham. I want to focus on this week, and I've got a little question for you guys at the end of of my um my in depth analysis. So basically, I just think even though obviously the dream is probably now died that they're probably not going to make Champions League football. Uh, and obviously, you know, a month ago, a month and a half ago, it was it seemed like they may. They, they they may do the impossible and actually get Champions League football, but I think I, I just want to praise West Ham in general. I think first of all, I think you mean you mentioned AC Milan's trans, transfer business. I think West Ham's has been excellent. I mean, look at getting Thomas Suchek on alone and then permanently, he's been excellent. Um, obviously, people like um, the right back Kufal, I think he's been another great addition. And then obviously Ben Rama and I mean Lingard's been one of the probably the January signing of the season in terms of the Premier League. I think that. Um, it's just, just been exceptional. I think that um, you've got to really praise. I mean, the, the business, the business they've done, really over the last year, year and a half to get these players in. I mean, obviously the players have already got been playing well. I think Antonio's highly underrated. I think he um, has something in him. I think Craig Dawson's been a good addition as well. I think he, uh, at times this season, has been has has been solid in that in that back in that back four really for um, in, in that defence for West Ham. And I do think um, they've been sort of. Obviously, they, they, they may well still get your Europa League football, which will still be an achievement. I think people would have never, never thought they'd be even maybe in the top 10, let alone the, um, you know, in the European places. So I do think a lot of praise has to be said for West Ham. I think they've been sort of playing a kind of football that hasn't sort of been sort of ticky-tacker like Man City, but I think it's just been sort of, you know, it's been winning them games. And I do think you have to praise, praise them. And I think one way I want to praise is David Moyes, because I think... You look at how his career has gone. We look he well. So he started at Preston, and then he obviously won. Was it Division One with Preston, or Third Division, or something like that? And then he obviously got the move to Everton. Was there for ten years, and obviously he um, did an amazing job. Then obviously get them to the Champions League places one season, albeit losing in the playoff. Um, many times they were sort of criminally sort of overachieving, despite the sort of money they were spending compared to the teams around them. I also thought they were sort of a one striker, a true striker off, you know, off being a you know, top four contender every year. Um, and obviously then he obviously that then got on the move to Manchester United. And obviously he, everyone knows that didn't go to plan. Everyone knows that he sort of, you know, he didn't obviously sign a six year contract, didn't even last one year. Um, and obviously there was that playing outside the ground on sort of high, above the ground, I should say, um, saying 
obviously Moyes out, and obviously he did get the sack, and obviously got moved subsequently to um, Sociedad, and obviously that didn't last too long. Same as Sunderland, and obviously his first spell at West Ham. But I think he really has sort of, you know, first of all, to come back to a team and let him go, I think takes a lot of courage, and I think he has really sort of, he has really sort of got this team together, really. And I think I was, I was listening to the um, Peter Crouch podcast actually today on the way home with Mark Noble, and he was just in absolute praise of Moyes and how he sort of, how, how well he, he manages them. So I just want to ask you boys, do you think he's resurrected his career? Do you think he's, um, his reputation's been restored in this second spell at West Ham? Um, the first point I want to make is when um, I think Ryan edits this, I want him to count how many times Andy said the word obviously in a 30 second spell. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Because <laughs> I, I wasn't, I was enjoying it. Um, yeah, I think he's completely rejuvenated his, his image because I was reading a bit from the Athletic uh, saying how he's I, he's he's building West Ham based off well, there's like RB Leipzig and RB Salzburg. Like he seems like a, a man reborn in the the age of modern football. So yeah, I think mm. Moises, I love him Moyes at West Ham. It's brilliant. Mm. Oh, well, what do you boys think, Diamond Ryan? Do you think he's resurrected his career? Yeah, yeah. Go on, Ryan. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I think so. I th- he was always a good manager. He'd done a great job with Everton, and he went to United. And uh, so I don't think that there could be a more pressurised job than the one he had been taken over from Ferguson because it was probably the most difficult job in football at the time mm. to take over from someone like him. So, and he, and as you say, he wasn't given a fair chance at all. So. He was always a good manager, and Real Sociedad, you know, in all fairness to them, they're not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. So he was always a good manager, but it doesn't surprise me the job that he's done because they they've always had talent there. You think of guys of Dimitri Payet as well, and you know the players that they've got in the squad now, uh, Declan Rice, obviously. Um, for, yeah, it's again, it's a critical summer for them if they can keep hold of some of their more talented players and then add as well then you know I think I, I still think they need a striker I do like Antonio but he ain't going to get you you know no. over 20 goals a season so they will they will be on the lookout and there is a certain Eddie and Ketty at, at Arsenal if, they, if they'd like to sort of offer um, 20 or 30 million hmm, I'm not sure they really want to get championship <laughs> level strikers do they <laughs> they want to progress that's a stretch championship <laughs> level of best <laughs> Oh, he banged in the goals, didn't he? Was where was he? Leeds, championship? Yeah, yeah, I'd say that he's um, slowly resurrecting his career. Like, obviously, he did a good job at Everton, um, although he never really won anything. The Manchester United job that was well, anyone going into a job to try and replace Fergus, that's they're always going to have a hard time. And you know, he wasn't really backed that much uh, by Man United. Uh, Sasha Dad, that didn't really work out there either, and Sunderland. Same there, really. But, yeah, he's done a good job um, with West Ham, uh, considering last season that they were they nearly got relegated last season and the season that they're having now, uh, considering they've only really bought, well, maybe a couple players in. They haven't really bought much players in. But, yeah, he's got them playing some good football. And, um, yeah, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's doing a good job there so far. Um, I'd like to see what he does next season, though, um, if they back him in the summer a bit more. But, yeah, I reckon, I reckon he's, um, he's, he's back again now. Yeah, and I think Ryan's touch on Declan Rice. I think he's certainly a player that I've really, I feel like over the course of this season, I've really changed my opinions of. I think I started off thinking, oh, was he, was he, was he as good as everyone's making out? But obviously, as more, the more I've watched of obviously West Ham this season, I do think um, I, I definitely have, have now seen the light of how also what everyone's been talking about. And I do think that um, I think unfortunately he will be des- he will be going somewhere one day. I think he will move unless he's obviously does the Mark Noble and doesn't want to leave. Um, I do think he is going to be sort of you know attracting the likes of all the big boys. Maybe I think Chelsea is probably the most likely destination because of the London connection. Mm. Um, and then obviously Man United. I think Man U also always going to be sort of after players like that. So I do think obviously if they do sign Lingard permanently, I do think that obviously that's that's probably their main sort of. I think that's probably their main aim of the summer to try and get him permanently um, and things like that. I do think, yeah, I think West Ham are on the right track. And I do think if they can buy well in the summer once again, I do think, um, I think they are definitely primed once again to make a you know surprise push for Europe. So 
Um, we've touched on three to four leagues. So our final in-depth look at the team is once again from our boy from London, Naeem. So, so mate, take it away. Yeah, so the team I'm going to focus on in the Liga this week, um, it's not going to be a top team, but I'm going to focus on Villarreal. So, yeah, they're basically a team. Good uh, evening. Good evening, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're basically a team um, in recent years that um, are pretty much like a top six, seven side. You know, they've they've had, um, they've had good players players over the years, such as, if you remember, um, they've had... They've had Mario Gaspar, who's actually still playing for them right now. Um, yeah, Santi Cazorla, um, good player for Arsenal as well. Ra- Raquel May as well, they've had as, um, there as well. And Marco Senna. And this season, uh, uh, after three years, they had Javier Caleja, who's now at uh, Real Valladolid. He's been there since 5th of April. He was replaced by the former Arsenal manager, Unai Emery. So this season he's currently in seventh place. Uh, last season they finished fifth, fifth in the league. He's actually managed to get Villarreal to their first uh, ever European final. They have won the Intertoto Cup uh, back in the early noughties, but in terms of obviously the UEFA Cup slash Europa League and Champions League, the furthest they ever got in uh, either competition was the semi-finals. Uh, the semi-finals was in in the in the Europa League. What well, the last that last time was against Liverpool. Um, if you remember, Liverpool actually got to the got to the final and obviously lost to Unai Emery. <laughs> Funny enough. Oh, I certainly I certainly remember that. I remember that very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So he's yeah he's managed to get them to their first ever uh, Europa League final, um, beating his former employers Arsenal two one on aggregate. Um, and yeah, they've they've got quite a, they've. The players that they brought in this summer, I mean, they brought in a few decent summers to add to to add add to the, the players that they have now. They um they got Danny Parejo on a free from Valencia. Um, he's been a pretty decent signing. He's a, he's always been a decent player. They got uh one five on loan from Tottenham. He's not he's not done too bad there. And they also got Etienne Capu, who, uh, who if you remember played for Watford. Adding to their mm. squad, um, yeah, they've also. They also got Paco Alcacer. If you remember him, he was um, mm. playing. He was obviously at Dortmund on loan. He did. He did. He did score quite a lot of goals there, but it just didn't really work out for him. And if you remember, he actually he played for Barcelona as well. He's actually, in fact, the uh, most expensive signing ever, um, costing 25 million euros. And when you think of how much uh, players go for in this today's market, it's not really much. But obviously, considering they're not really a big team, so it's, it's understandable that. Obviously, that's their, their their most expensive signing. Um, the top goal scorer uh, this season is Gerard Moreno. He's got 22 goals in the league. He's having a good season. And yeah, they they like I said, yeah, they're just a like a, a mid-table team, top seven team. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Unai Emery's done well in his first season to get them to their first ever final, and they could win their first ever Europa League title and. That will keep up with his good record in this competition, um, having not ever lost a knockout round game. Um, obviously, apart from the final with us, but yeah, in the knockout rounds, yeah, he's, um, he's never lost a game. But yeah, so is this is this his fifth final now in Europe. It's Emery, yeah, is that fifth his... final now. Yeah, so obviously right. had three with Sevilla in a row, then obviously with us um, two years ago, and then obviously this season uh, against Man United, he will. Mm. So yeah, it should be a good game and. People should shouldn't really write write them off Villarreal. I know obviously Man United have got the better team on paper, but you, you just never know. You know they, they haven't played them in recent years, so yeah, I, I don't think they, they should really be underestimating them because this is Unai Emery's competition, and um, yeah, he does know how to beat beat these um teams. Yeah, and I will say as well, I think we we one thing we've no, I've, 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 I certainly noticed in the game yesterday, and I think. Obviously, they showed the stats when he's before he got injured. But I think Harry Maguire will be could be a massive miss. I think he, I think Manny's defense looks far less organized when he's not there. And I know obviously he gets all all this state because he obviously he was obviously an 80 million transfer fee and all that. But I do think he's definitely sort of maybe an underrated centre back. And I do think that him not being there, I think people are now going to see sort of sort of what what he brings to that team. So I do think if he does miss the final and even the Euros for that matter, but I think definitely particularly the final your belief final I do think that that could be something to worry for Man U fans certainly if, if he if he's not there 
Yeah, because um, yeah, obviously with May United, he's, I think before that game he got injured um, the other day. He pretty much he's pretty much played all their games this season. Every minute, yeah, every minute since he joined, yeah. And obviously with um, Bailly and and Lindelof at the back, they're they're they're, they're all right, but yeah, I, I wouldn't really want to rely on them too much. It's, too, then, it's too, the thing; they're both very inconsistent. I think Bailly on his day is an amazing centre back, but I think he falls in that same category as Mamadou Sakho. It's just <laughs> you can't rely on him all season. I think he's. He's good here and there to come in, but touching back on Villarreal, um, yeah, they've got quite a few players um, that also you may may remember from recent years. Like they've got they've got Raúl Alvaro, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. You got Funes Mori used to play for Everton. Um, Boo. (laughs) (laughs) Got one five. He's on loan at the moment. Um, Carlos Backer. He's about what? He must be in my. Ah, Carlos Backer. Yeah, yeah. Mid thirties now. Um, They got Vincente Abora. He's he's also there. They've got Liverpool legend Alberto uh, Moreno. He's also there. Uh, yuck. <laughs> uh, Francis Cochrane's also there. Yeah, they've got um, mm. they've got they've got quite a solid team, and he's um he's got them playing good football in our memory. So um, yeah, hopefully they beat them in the final because kind of Man United winning that. But then they, wanna... they'll keep Holly in a job. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to what I mentioned, also I mentioned an update on the. Man City Newcastle game. It's currently four three Man City. It's a hat trick oh, yeah. from Fer- hat trick from Ferran Torres. Um, Joseph Willock has scored as well in the game. He scored um, originally to put the gifts to Newcastle the lead, um, but then City scored two goals since. But I will say, anyone who is obviously we're, we're recording this podcast whilst the game's on. If you guys always want to check out after this podcast finishes, the first goal from Torres is one of the best goals of all seasons. Potentially a goal of season contender. Um, he sort of is a free kick. We're whipping in, and he's back. He's back healed it, and it's gone top corner. So I think that's definitely something to watch out wow. for. You boys look for after the game. But yeah, definitely. that um, that does conclude our podcast for the week. Um, in our final sort of re roundup, obviously earlier this week we all saw the Champions League final being moved to Porto from Istanbul. Uh, once again, second year in a row that the final's been moved to Portugal from from Istanbul. Um, and obviously, uh, Lingard both won both goal of the month and player of the month in the Premier League for his amazing April he's had. Uh, and other leagues, Rangers have the chance this weekend to, um, in the final day of the Scottish League, to go the whole season unbeaten, which would be a great thing for, um, you know, my all time hero, Stephen Gerrard. Um, Arsenal fans are in absolute um, harmony, in absolute joy that David Louise has announced he will leave at the end of the season. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then of course FA Cup final tomorrow. Um, Chelsea Leicester. I want to go through one final thing before we end the podcast. Your predictions for the FA Cup final tomorrow. I'm going for two 0 Chelsea. What are you boys going for for tomorrow's final? Leicester on penalties. Oh, score, score in normal time or extra time? What's the score before? What, what are you get? One 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 full time. No Ooh. goals in extra time. That'll be a, that'll be a good <laughs> a good end to the final. <laughs> I'm gonna go with two one Leicester. Two one Leicester. And Alex. Oh, I think he's having some technical issues, I think, Alex. So uh, what I'll do, we'll we'll put his prediction on the on the on the social media pages and we'll um let you boys know what he thinks. So thank you everyone for listening once again and thank you boys for being part of the podcast. After another week, another week of um, fun talking European football. So we look back to being with you guys next week, next week again for for more European football chat. So um, thank you and goodbye. Ciao. Adios.